Good morning, Mr. Sonny Weaver Jr. Show number one fan, Vontae Mack. Vontae, how'd you get this number? You gave it to me. And welcome to the Empire Dynasty League podcast. You're joined today with Ben, Keeney and Hod. All here to give our thoughts and impressions on the Empire Dynasty League. Welcome, guys. Oh, yes. Welcome. G'day, Hod. G'day, Ben. Good to be here. Again. Always good to be here. And we're pleased to announce that the following uh, tense negotiations, uh, we're able to announce that the podcast has secured an unnamed corporate sponsor. So last week, we, we were the To Be Determined podcast. So... But due to our current legal investigation, we're unable to name this company, but we're very excited to have this doyen of the corporate world on board with us going forward. So for the time being, welcome to the Empire Dynasty League Unnamed Corporate Sponsor Podcast or the EDL UCSP. Uh, well, you know, we started it last week with uh, the guest, the song. We had a song that related to a team. We had to guess who it was. We're, we're back with a new song. So uh, all those all those many 12 people listening out there, get your ears ready and see if you can guess this tune and who it relates to. Give us your thoughts, Keeney. Now, I know, I know I went with Papa last week in the Guess the Song uh, sort of comp there, but I'm going to double down here and I'm going to go back to the well. I'm thinking Silver Chair Anthem 2000. Is it Papa? Because most of his squad kicked off their career in the year 2000. That's kind of where I'm going with it. What do you think, Hot? Is there anything you can add to that? Great minds, Keeney. Great minds. Um, I've also gone Papa here, but I'm a little confused. Uh, who is Silver Chair? I had the Anthem 2000 by Silver Hair, which is has the lead singers Tom Brady and Drew Brees. <laughs> a little zinger. Oh, <laughs> great minds alike, Keeney. Oh, goodness. Kicked us off with a zinger today. Uh, well done, boys. It actually was Papa. Look, um, we're not putting a target on his back or anything in this podcast. So just so happened that you both guessed correctly. The Anthem 2000 relating to... Uh, Papa's team, and you nailed it there, Keeney. 2000 was when I think majority of those players in his team were drafted, but we'll get into that a little bit later on in his team breakdown. Um, we are going to go into some NFL league news. That's how big time we have become as a podcast now. We, we now cover all of the NFL outside of just our stupid little fantasy league. So, And um, we're up to 15 listeners. I'm, I'm just getting tweets in. 15 listeners. Wow. And some reviews there too, I see. Some review, yeah, some five star Apple review. We can say this sort of stuff now because we are officially on Apple Podcast. So give us a like, give us a five star review, give us a rating, all that sort of stuff. I don't know, we don't even have Twitter handles to plug, but uh, do all the fun stuff that people would normally say on a podcast, and we'll keep pretending <laughs> like this is legitimately a thing. Uh, but let's jump into the NFL news. There goes my hero can only relate to one thing, and that is the the COVID news that keeps sweeping through the NFL there. And 
There's a few, there's a few team managers in our league that are feeling the sentiments of that song. So some notice, uh, some notable players, sorry, on the reserve slash COVID list that have come through. We've got <clears throat> Kenny Golliday, TJ Hawkinson, Aaron Sipos. Uh, not that that's notable for anyone other than the fact that he was an Aussie AFL player who from all reports feels really good after a positive test. So <laughs> that's good to know. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, Mason Crosby for all the Matt McMahons out there that care. <laughs> Jay Sternberger is another Matty Mack player. Justin Jefferson, the rookie wide receiver. This one hurts. Keyshawn Vaughan also on the COVID list there. But uh, is it got Matty Stafford? Is he also on it? Is that a news? Yes, he is. What is going on at Detroit? Too uh, Too much hanging out. Too much kissing going on amongst their team. I don't know what they're doing. And then this is the, uh, this is probably the more important list. The, COVID opted out list. These are the players who have basically just ruled a line through the season. No one is going to get anything out of them this year for fantasy. You've got the Devin Funchess. Uh, he's not going to play his debut season in Green Bay. Marcus Goodwin. Uh, no one really cared enough to draft him anyway. But then this one, Damian Williams, Keeney. He has officially pulled the pin. Uh, there was talk about foals, but he uh, that was all false. So, yeah, give us your thoughts, guys. Well, I'll start because I've got young Damian Williams and I, ironically, I was trying to actually trade up during the draft to get him. I was pretty high on what he could provide Kansas City in the first half of the year, just with the unknown, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, obviously, had a really good Super Bowl, arguably the MVP in the Super Bowl. So I just thought he'd, he'd be absolutely a part of that offense. But um, interesting move. He's opted out. He's out of contract at the end of the year as well. So... Um, really, he's the biggest one of note at the moment. The other two guys really aren't overly fantasy relevant. But, yeah, Damien Williams, that's definitely put a dent in the, in the grouse. And you mentioned Detroit before, Ben. Uh, the Michigan Massacre is known uh, in the Bayside Executioners because that's affected Scooter, um, obviously, with Kenny Golladay and the, the big dog, Matt Stafford. But um, COVID... COVID's obviously impacting many in a bad way, but all I'm seeing here is positive things. Justin Jefferson, that's, you know, he's in the wings there under Adam Thielen. Um, so that might delay his start a bit more. And then, Ben, you touched on it. The third stringer in Tampa, Keyshawn Vaughan, that can only mean better things for big Ronald Jones, surely. How, How are you I... feeling about the signing of LaShawn McCoy there, Hod? Any reservations with the Ronald Jones pick? No, I'm a glass half full sort of guy, Keeney. So old, old Balls McCoy, he couldn't beat out Damien Williams. Uh, Daryl Williams was it in Kansas City. It was not much going on there and he couldn't even suit up for the playoff run. So not too concerned. He might might be a third down back because um, he's a known pass catcher and Tom Brady loves that. But not too worried about the early down work. Last time I checked in Tampa Bay, they just love bringing people out of retirement. So, uh, you know, all the hype that's going around, the gronks of the world in that Tampa Bay offense. LaShawn, he could have an absolute resurgence. And that's what I'm hoping for because I dropped about $89 worth of fab on him to grab grab him. So, look, we're not always going to bring it back to our teams. But let's be honest, we're always going to bring it back to our teams, listeners out there. So just deal with it. Grit your teeth. Move on. There is a TJ Hawkinson is one that also affects me too, since we're on that path. And hopefully these COVID things are just more precautionary and they're not going to be something more long-term, but something I think we're going to have to 
legitimately deal with every single week in uh, in this season, which is just a weird thing to think about. That that little COVID red sign next to their name instead of doubtful or injured reserve or anything that we normally keep an eye out for. We now got to look out for COVID as well. So happy days. And uh, in other news this week, we have had a trade. Um, we mentioned how active the DFF has been. Uh, prior to the draft, during the draft, and now post-draft. We did touch on his Terry McLaurin trade last week, and now he's come back for some more, the, the factory. He's actually traded with uh, Steph, Johnny Unitas's haircut, sensible haircuts. They've, they've uh, involved themselves in a trade. So um, the factory receives young Brian Edwards and a 2021 second-round selection. Um, in exchange for Marlon Mack, which we did flag last week to the listeners that I'll tell you what, he was he was looking to be thrown out to the curb and, and he's he's grabbed a he's grabbed a suitor here with um, Steve just pouncing on Marlon Mack. Um, also has uh, received a 2021 third rounder to go with it. So interesting to see what Steph's doing here. He's traded out McLaurin and Mack um, over the last two weeks and got Akers in and Brian Edwards in two rookies. So clearly getting younger in both positions. So is it a sign of something maybe that he's looking to do um, for, for the future? Are you concerned there, Keeney, now that Marlon Mack has shaken the shackles of the DFF? He could just get a new wind and Jonathan Taylor could be in the back seat here with Marlon Mack's resurgence. What do you think? It's a very, it's a very good point. Like, you just The improvement that players get once they do release from the factory is is significant and not to be not to be overlooked. So there is a slight concern. I'm actually looking at shopping Jonathan Taylor now. There's real there's real worry with my first overall overall selection. So now I'll we put out our first live trade on the I'll pod. Stick, I'll, I'll stick with JT. I'm pretty comfortable with him. I think those biceps are just gonna whew, get through any defense. Running behind Big Q, I'm excited. Hot. Oh, gotta love the horseshoe, don't you? Um, and what about the schedule? We've had some news around that. Yeah, we have. There was a schedule released this week. So the, the week one matchups were released officially via our social media networks. Um, but also the whole fixture itself has been um, randomly drawn. So our format for our league, for the listeners that um, don't know, we have obviously a random draw, but you play your division members in the last six weeks of the of the season, which means... We've done that for a reason. It means that you're always kind of competitive and there's always a chance for you to win that division with with six big games towards the end of the year. When you say for the listeners out there who don't know, I can only imagine you're just referring to Tim. Uh, he's probably the only league mm-hmm. member who doesn't know the rule settings at the moment. We will, we, we will get into young Timos's um, tendencies later on in the podcast, I believe. So... That's certainly one of them. But an exciting first uh, first week of fixturing. We'll quickly quickly run through it. Um, we've got Pappas Punishers, which we will talk about today at length, going up against your good self, the the real humdingers. That's a that's a feisty win now matchup. Could be matchup of the week there. I had a look at the old projections on the sleeper app, and it's tasty to say the least. Mid one forties. That could be huge. It's large. It's big. Some other noticeable matchups here in week one. We've got the Park City Lions up against Prestige Worldwide. That should be another ripper. Um, and also, I reckon the Bayside Executioners against the San Diego Demons is a good one. 
more so just because of the fact that Bayside executioners didn't know who the San Diego Demons were. He's really distanced himself from any of the new members. A real arrogance about him, but <laughs> we like that about Scoot. And lastly, uh, the straight cash homies. They've got the, the factory, so they're pretty comfortable. They think they've got the buy there. I've heard that from multiple sources that, that Timos has already chalked, it, chalked up the win and he's 1-0 going into week two. So we'll see how uh, that all plays out. Well, I think most people would, uh, would chalk up a win when they're coming up against the DFF. But uh, I guess we'll just find out as the season goes. He's probably sitting there absolutely refuting that. So let's, uh, let's jump into our division breakdown. And we're going to start with um, a highly anticipated breakdown here in Papa's Punishers. So we'll quickly just run you through his starting lineup. He has Drew Brees at his quarterback. His running backs are... Saquon Barkley and Aaron Jones. He's got Cooper Cup, T.Y. Hilton and DJ Chark as his starting wide receivers. Travis Kelsey. He's got Chris Carson in his flex, David Johnson and Tom Brady in the super flex there. And just some mentions on his bench. He's got uh, old COVID scare, Nick Foles, Marvin Jones, Jonu Smith's a nice little addition Mm -hmm. that he added to his team there. So there's just a quick breakdown of Papa's team that he drafted. Um, bit of background for you on Papa if if you were unaware or you're new to the league or you're newly listening to this fantastic podcast. Um, he's been part of our redraft league, the Two Minute Drillers, since its inception. Uh, somehow he claims to have won a title in that league. In fact, I think that's how he introduced himself to this league as, as a champion. But uh, all, what is it, nine of us who are part of Two Minute Drillers are yet to identify when that actually took place. And you know, I hate to break it to you, Papa, but there are websites that keep track of this stuff and nowhere does your name appear. So I don't know what, I mean, we are playing fantasy, but you seem to be playing your own fantasy uh, there coming up with imaginary titles, but that's okay. We've got Steph with an imaginary factory and you with imaginary title belt. So all good. He's always the loudest voice in the room and will often share his two cents uh, before he's even checked the price. Uh, that's that's sort of just the way he goes about things, and and we'll always and and I'm sure people are fully aware of this. Always manages to steer any conversation back towards the Dallas Cowboys, and I'm convinced that's because he actually doesn't know anything else about the NFL. So he just keeps reeling it back into his wheelhouse and Dak and Jerry Jones and the Clapper, and yeah, that's that's sort of a quick shots fired early. <laughs> shots fired. He was a bit paranoid about me firing lots of shots on him. He, he sent me a very nice text during the week um, congratulating us on the first podcast and saying, good job, well done. Uh, and I think he's just, he was a little bit nervous that I might tee off on the, the punishers. So, look, if he, if he doesn't like it, then he shouldn't be doing fantasy football because that's what it's all about is just getting stuck into one another. Kenny, why don't, you, um, why don't you take it away with just your overall impression of Papa's team? Yeah, I will. I'll, um, I want to have a look at his draft build because it's one of the more interesting ones out of everyone, I think. Um, I've, actually, I've actually found a song that fits really well um, and, and really kind of identifies what he's done um, throughout his draft. So I think, Ben, we're going to play that song right now, are we? a bit of nostalgia there and brought out old oh, taxi for, ride for those for those playing at home and and for those international listeners that is that is the australian rock band t 
taxi ride. I mean, the, the reason we've brought that up is because his taxi is as bare as you like. There is there is nothing in sight. You know, you know when you have a massive night out and you have to wait in line for a taxi to get home. There's no weights at this <laughs> at this team. It's straight through. It's just it's an empty lane at the minute. Uh, which is an interesting strategy, which we're going to go through. I think in that song, they actually, there's a quote in that song saying, we're on our way to nowhere, which is a bit harsh, I think. But, you know, Taxi Ride, they're ahead of their time back in the day. So we'll see if that plays out. So just to, again, just to uh, re-emphasise there, no rookies were selected by the punishers and one second-year player was taken as well. Now, we know age isn't the, the only thing here, but the one second-year player, Scotty Miller from the Tampa Bay Bucks. The very famous wide receiver there at uh, Tampa Bay. I think he's a sixth round selection back in the day. So yeah, just just to confirm, this is a redraft league or a dynasty league. I, I was a bit confused with with his draft. No, it is it is a dynasty, Ben. I'm glad you I'm glad you asked the question because it it, it it is a bit confusing when we go through this. But um, you know, that's obviously the plan that the uh, the punishers have taken. He's he's really stuck with his. Um, Third, so he was he had the 103 and and he's really stuck with that. Not many trades. Um, I think there was a one sideways tra- trade in the um, 10th and 11th round. But apart from that, he's pretty happy just to stick with what he's got. I thought he had a pretty strong first first five or six rounds actually, um, given the way he approached the first two picks. So he had the 103 with Barkley, and then he's got a choice there for mine. So he can either go down the the younger kind of middle tier route or kind of real balls in win now sort of setup. So and he went with Travis Kelsey. So that from that point on, I think that kind of defines how you have to go about it from that point. Um, which was an which was an interesting one. So it kind of meant that he he takes Aaron Jones in the third round um, instead of taking like a Godwin or someone like that, which is which is an interesting talking point, I think. But overall pretty strong first six, seven players there and, and should be a pretty much a win now kind of team. My biggest issue with this team though, which will, and we'll discuss his strengths and weaknesses in a second. Um, if you listen to last week's pod, um, young Brody there mentioned that he's looking at a one to three year window whenever he plays fantasy, which is a pretty good approach. My only issue here is I think the punishers are looking at a, a, a literal window of one year. And if it doesn't come off here, um, it could be, could be a real struggle stretch in the future. So a real redraft like squad would be my summary. It was uh, interesting. You mentioned um, Papa almost buttering you up during the week, Ben, because uh, I find that interesting because with a name like Papa's Punishers, I would have thought that he'd welcome shots being fired all over him. But um, I will, uh, I'll, I'll bring it back for Papa. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'm on his side here. We, we've gone at it a bit uh, more similarly, I suppose. And there seems to be a real consensus or approach around young squads prevailing in Dynasty. Now, fantasy is a game of probability and risk aversion. So I would have thought that when we were given our only opportunity to draft the foundation of our Dynasty teams, taking players that have proven um, to the fantasy community that they are trusted, dependable options, as the core of your team is a more reliable predictor of success over uh, drafting youth with the hopes that they turn out to be like these players mentioned. So I think Papa has gone with this philosophy, um, obviously, and has executed it pretty well. And you could argue maybe too well, um, given the the overall age. But he's given his squad a a really good shot at the title um, in the next couple of years, in my opinion. And he always has that ability to pivot his assets um, to younger options if needed. 
Just quickly, Hod, I know that you did a bit of a breakdown on the average age of teams drafted. Um, have you got that there on hand? Would you be able to maybe divulge some of those numbers to people? Because I think it's an interesting breakdown of people's teams. And I, I know what you're saying, that, of course, Dynasty, it's still you're playing fantasy year on, year out. And you can't just put all your eggs in a future basket, which I know some people have viewed certain team drafting and said said that about. Um, but I think it's interesting to note that the season does go beyond this year. And for all we know, there might not be a season this year. So if you are a team that's drafted an ultra old uh, roster, well, you might not even get a game out of some of them if there's no season and then they, in fact, retire at the end of this year. So there's a high risk point there, Keeney. Yeah, and I don't think... Like, I don't think it's, it's about um, his squad being old per se. It's more about the top-end picks, the, the first 10, kind of your starting lineup that's that's kind of gone down that older track. So, obviously, the choice there with Kelsey is a, is a star. Um, but then Breeze, T.Y. Hilton, Tom Brady, they're all starters for him. So, it's not like he's got some... Um, the older players are depth players for him. They're legit starters. So, that's, that's probably where the concern kicks in. Yep. And I do have that table up. Um, so, Papa's starting... Average age is 29.4, and then that balances out to 27.8 um, as an average age for his 25. Um, whereas if you look at most others, um, they sort of get down below 26 as an average for the 25. Um, so, yeah, remains to be seen, but I, I think he's drafted a very good chance at this year's title. Yep, and I think you nailed it there. This year's title... Um... With that age list, he'd want to be winning it this year, wouldn't he? So let's go into, look, we, we can't be all negative on this. Let's go into some of his team strengths. I think we've, we've mentioned a fair bit here, but I've just looked at his team and his starting running backs, uh, there's some serious talent sitting there in his running back list. So he's got a once-in-a-lifetime talent in Saquon Barkley. Oh, what a player to watch. He's going to enjoy watching Saquon as much as I do, week in, week out. The best running back. I mean, there was... Zeke was on the table for the taking for him at pick three, and he opted to take the better running back in Saquon Barkley. So I can't knock Papa too much. He can identify talent there. It was a quick decision too, wasn't it? Just to, to quickly snap up Barkley. There wasn't much thought that went into that. Yeah, look, I guess it depends on your definition of quick. If you mean that um, panicking for two and a half hours and then taking the consensus pick three in the draft, yeah, yeah, no, that it wasn't ultra quick decision and his uh his trading mouse uh, with certain people in the league well you know offering a trade not offering a counter sitting on it for two hours and then demanding a second rounder for moving back two spots look we could go into that we could be here for hours talking about um how bad he is at trading but let's talk about his running backs here because not only has he got Saquon he's got Aaron Jones who was an absolute beast last year. And I know a lot of people are doubtful that he can repeat uh, what the numbers he put up last year. However, he is their running back, at least for the time being. He's an extremely high performer. He, he doesn't need ultra-high uh, volume of touches to perform. He's proven that. So even with uh, AJ Dillon coming into the team, I think that I actually don't mind Aaron Jones as a pickup here. He slid pretty far back and people after him putting up ridiculous numbers last year jumped off um, out of fear for him. So I think that's a good pickup there. And then he's got 
Chris Carson and David Johnson sitting in his flex spots. And, yep, they've got injury risk, both of them. Um, Chris Carson coming off a hip fracture, which is a pretty serious injury. But if he's healthy, he's the absolute bell cow of the Seahawks in a team that loves to run the ball. And David Johnson, well, if you were fortunate enough to have David Johnson back in 2017, I think it was, when he put up ridiculous numbers. If he can return to that form, then that's some serious ceiling there. But there's a lot of ifs. But if all four of those running backs hit, look out, league. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to add a whole lot more. I just think we've touched on his biggest strength and that's the likelihood that he challenges early this year. Um, if there is a if there is a um, a winner this year, we hope that we can get some football away. But um, yeah, he's going to be strong. I think the first ten or eleven guys that he took, base, which is basically his starting lineup, are all projected to be strong fantasy assets in the year 2020. So he'll be in the mix. Uh, and yeah, just before I, I give the strengths of Papa's team, um, we better keep time in mind here, boys, because unlike last week, we had we have a few sponsors to get through this show. So. Um, I'll give a quick roundup of Papa's team. Uh, super strong starting lineup for mine. Top two players at running back and tight end, and plenty of upside with his three starting receivers in Cooper Cup, DJ Chark, and what I think will be a bounce back season for T.Y. Hilton. Uh, one position could be in trouble um, for Papa as early as next season uh, is his two starting quarterbacks, because they could potentially retire after this season. And his two backup quarterbacks are, in fact, backups by season's end as you can tell I'm pretty confident Trubisky might beat out Bowles um, for that job the other weakness for Papra is he will be starting let's face it 0-1 for his initial EDL campaign and it's never ideal climbing out of an early hole that's for sure yeah well I mean you did touch on the silver hair with those QBs at the start there if both retire come season end there's some serious scrambling that's going to have to take place on his list. Now, my weakness for Papa, uh, for his team, is, is just Papa himself. Um, we're finding out now that the, the waiver wire, it's bone dry week on, week out. So we are going to have to rely on our trading. The only problem with Papa, uh, trading with him is like trading with the notorious Adrian Dodoro. Um, he's got a proven track record of overvaluing his guys uh, he's also in the camp of not trading unless he feels like it's an absolute benefit to him. Uh, so the old saying, you've got to give a little to get a little, it doesn't seem to apply with Papa. So with a win now team, he might find that uh, he's in a position during the season where, um, where trading might be what he needs to get him over the line. So if he can't seem to sort of come to that uh, part of the trade where he's got to give up a little bit, maybe something that is of future for his team to get something back, uh, I think that's where he's going to struggle. So only time will tell if he can turn that round. Yeah, and just for mine, just for his weaknesses, it's a it's an interesting group that he's actually drafted here because um, he's got quite a few of his core players that are out of contract and and unrestricted free agents in a couple of years' time. So Kelsey, he'll be thirty three and and out in twenty twenty two. Aaron Jones is another one. Cooper Cup. David Johnson, Chris Carson, all these guys are out of contract in the next one or two years and are all free agents. Um, so that stability in terms of kind of where um, these players go and if they stay, um, that's kind of all up in the air. And obviously, we've touched on these two QBs. They're 41 and 45 years old, respectively, Breeze and Brady. So um, <clears throat> obviously, that's a pretty obvious concern. And just the, it's more it's more the decision to 
um, bypass some younger guys like Cam Newton, like a Tua, a Tannehill, a Bridgewater, a Jared Goff even for the older Drew Brees that may have complemented his team overall a little bit better. So he bypassed a Tua, you said there on, on draft night. So you're telling me that he's got zero interest in a player like Tua, Keeney? Well, you know, there, there, look, there has been some discussion. There's been some initial discussion on maybe getting rid of that stigma with the taxi ride sort of setup. He, I think he wants to add to that, that line in the taxi squad. Um, there's, some been, there's been some discussion there for Tua. I obviously have Tua, but I'm very, very high on him, so it's going to have to be some sort of deal to get him off me. But we'll see how that plays out. All right. It's a bit of... Uh, might have to give a little to get a little, you're saying there, Keeney. Look at that for a full circle little turnaround there. All right, we're about to break down our next team. Uh, but before we do that, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Are you dealing with loss? Perhaps it's a loved one. Perhaps it's the memory of a cherished pet. Perhaps you traded away your round two through five picks in your first dynasty draft and now face five years of losing records and unbridled shame of your family and friends. Please know that while you are alone and you'll never fix your problems, there is help you can pay for. At Citywide Psychiatric Clinic, Dr. Henry Jacobs puts the ear back in heartache. Or here take, I suppose it would be. Don't trade away those feelings. Call today to set up your free initial consult. Please note, we do not accept eighth string Green Bay receivers as payment for your sessions. Citywide is a subsidiary of our corporate major sponsor. All right, moving on to our next team in the Vontae Mack division. We've got the straight cash homies here. Uh, Timos, I'll, I'll quickly run through his starting lineup. So QB Kyler Murray uh, with Ryan Tannehill in his super flex. Running backs of Alvin Kamara, Le'Veon Bell, uh, and also wide receivers, Mike Evans, DK Metcalf, Stefan Diggs, Will Fuller, Christian Kirk, tight end Greg Olson. Some notable guys on his bench at the minute, Zach Moss, the rookie from Buffalo, um, Emmanuel Sanders, Michael Pittman, the rookie wide receiver that went to the Colts, and Jordan Love, the rookie QB, obviously, at Green Bay there. So that's his overall lineup. What I will say about Timos is he's been a mainstay in our redraft league, and it seems like it does seem like a while ago that he was once kind of one of the easy beats, I would have to say. But the last two years, he's been anything but that. Uh, he grabbed Christian McCaffrey in one of our first auction uh, drafts in his sophomore season. Hasn't looked back um, after doing so. He's just been riding on his coattails for the last two years, and he's made had back-to-back trips into the into the title game in our redraft years, so in our redraft league. So um, he'll be full of confidence going into this dynasty league, no doubt. Um, one issue is he probably won't be listening to this. He, he hates podcasts. He hates trade calculators. He hates being compared to his brother. And he hates the notion that he's an absolute lowball trade merchant, um, which, which was really the, uh, was a real discussion point in our uh, redraft league last year, no doubt. Um, one last thing on Timos, he's a real fast and loose type operator, I reckon. <laughs> a week before the draft, he found out it was tight end premium, so that was a bit of a surprise for him. But, you know, he's, he's quick to adjust and it'll just be interesting. This kind of approach can fly in redraft leagues and can get you over the line and you can, you can make it up for a year, but how will he go in the dynasty format? Um, I'll throw to Ben now just to, to see how he kind of unpacked his draft and I just reckon he'll be feeling a little bit lost without CMC there by his side. Now, I think that's an excellent point you make there. He hasn't got someone like Christian McCaffrey 
in his team like he's had for the last two years that uh, you don't have to do a lot when you've got someone like him, especially at the value he initially got him at. But I suppose for Timos, he's probably sitting there thinking that he's got someone else of value that he's going to be able to ride for many years to come. You know, he, he was quite aggressive in that second round. He traded up to get Kyler Murray. So maybe that's the type of player he's banking on just riding for years to come. He's quite young there. I, my overall impression for Tim's team is I just, I wasn't quite sure what type of team he was drafting. It was literally like two different people drafted at certain points in his draft. The first half of his draft is very much building talent to win this year. And then it was almost like in the 11th round, I think it was, he kind of just pivoted to, oh, this is dynasty and and I need to get some youth into my team. So there's a little bit of um, sort of polar opposites in his draft. And I, I was just a little bit unsure he could have gone all in on the win now and then put some young talent around it, but it kind of felt like it was the tale of two tapes for Tim Oss's team. Uh, yeah, I, I think um, I think Tim Oss will be looking forward to building a reputation that he can win without Christian McCaffrey, but I'll just remind everyone in this podcast who does have Christian McCaffrey, and that's yours truly. How I, how I saw Tim Oss's draft was they were complete homer picks. He loves his nickname that much that ironically, and that, that nickname is Timos for those who don't know. So he ironically drafted Zach Moss, Thaddeus Moss, Stefan Digzos, and even Chase Claypoolos. So he landed on, all those players landed on the straight cash homie. So very much a homer draft for Tim. I must admit that I didn't love his team immediately post-draft, but I'm definitely warming to it more and more. Uh, getting Kamara at nine is an absolute steal. For me, I would have considered him at three. Um, so I'm pretty Ooh. high on Alvin. And uh, trading up to get the most hyped quarterback of the offseason will be the defining pick for this team, in my opinion. If Kyler Murray lives up to this hype, he will prove to be a huge advantage for seasons to come. But we have seen these off-season romances time to time. Again, um, thinking back to last year and the Cleveland Browns. So I'm interested to see how Arizona puts this offense together. What, you say the most hyped quarterback of the season. You're not talking about a sunglass wearing yeah. Lamar by any chance, are you, Brody? You didn't think I was going to make it this whole podcast without bringing it back to my boy Lamar. That I It's funny you, you do bring it back to Lamar because he operates with 7-Eleven Sunnies and you talk about him 7 Eleven. So, I'm not sure that makes any sense. 24 7, bro. Yeah, I'm 24 not. 7. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, you got there. Yeah. Numbers, all that there. stuff, you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll have a look at Timos's squad here, just having a look at a few of his strengths. Um, I think early he's taken some, some proven players, but um, proven players that have some upside. We talked about Kyler Murray coming up. He was pretty aggressive to come up and get him. Gave away a couple of second future second rounders to move up three or four spots to grab him um, at the start of the second round. So obviously identified the guy that he wanted. Um, super flex league. So I think he holds a lot of value. He's just got to hope that he has um, a really solid second season, unlike Baker, who had similar hype um, this time last year. So um, look, I think he's got a he's got a few more assets. He's got the rushing potential. So. I think he's a safer player than what Baker was. You know, Evans, 26-year-old, proven wide receiver. DK Metcalf, massive rookie year. Um, hoping he can take the leap um, and develop further. Um, and then Diggs is his third's an interesting one. But 
Um, you just contrast him with a guy like Robert Woods, and it's just interesting. I think he shot for some some upside there um, with Josh Allen in Buffalo, um, which will be an interesting mix and an interesting watch. But um, you know, no doubt he's got a very very strong uh, starting wide receiver group, and maybe maybe the Diggs pick was a bit of a bit of a old love, bit of a you know former love, the the former Viking himself. Bit of love, absolute Homer pick there. Uh, thanks for for reading ahead on the. The show notes, Keeney, because you pretty much took every strength that I was going to talk about. And that's that uh, I think Timos's absolute strength is his starting wide receivers. So uh, I can see a world where Mike Evans, Stefan Diggs and DK Metcalf are all top 12 wide receivers this season. Um, then you've got Will Fuller. And if he can stay healthy, I mean, he proved that last year, even with Hopkins in their side when he was healthy, was an absolute beast and could put up some serious numbers he dropped a something crazy like a 40, 30 or 40 one week. It was insane. Um, it could have even been more than that. And now he, they haven't even got Hopkins there. So, I mean, who knows what he could be on that offense. They clearly like him. They clearly rate him. And I think he could be their number one target there. Then you throw Christian Kirk and the Kyler Murray stack that he's built himself there for good measure. So in a league where you have to start three wide receivers, I think um, Tim has got a starting core there that he could absolutely build around every single week. Yeah, agreed. And I think Kamara and Murray um, in combination with this strong wide receiver core looks to be a, a real strength to build off. Tim has the potential to have top five players at quarterback, running back and wide receiver if you throw Evans in there. So uh, he has a mix of younger and older depth players. Uh, so I think he has the ability to plug and play and score week in, week out in the event of unforeseen circumstances, Ben? Well, I'm going to uh, just jump into the team weaknesses for the straight cash homies. And I might start to sound like a broken record here, but for me, it's got to be quarterback depth. You know, he's gone high on Kyler Murray. He's traded up to get him in the second round. Kyler's got great upside. I know, as you said, Hod, it's a bit of a hyped up pick at this stage, but he is young. He is ready to take that next leap. uh, And he could be a top-end QB for a very long time. But then next up is Ryan Tannehill. That's his super flex quarterback at this point. He put up unbelievable uh, numbers last year when he took over as the starter. He is on a low-volume passing team, however, uh, and he was ridiculously efficient last year. So his comp, uh, his completion percentage, sorry, was up 7.5% last year compared to the years he spent in Miami. Uh, He had... 23.8 attempts per game passing last year. Uh, And with Henry, we can assume that the same level of attempts are probably going to continue in uh, Tennessee there. So can he continue that efficiency um, or will he return to the mean? Because uh, there was about one season, I think, in Miami where he had some seriously good numbers, but it was on high volume passing. So if you actually look at his numbers in Miami uh, with the same level of volume that he got last year, they're pretty subpar. And then after Tannehill, who has Tim got at quarterback? So I think uh, that's where my concern lies for Tim Moss. He doesn't have many options. So if Tannehill regresses and he does become a bit of a bust player, um, I don't know where he goes from there. Well, I'll tell you who he's got at QB. He's got the great Taysom Hill just sitting in the wings, the 33-year-old, ready to get his opportunity at any, at any stage now. Um, I'll keep going. I think a common theme with a lot of these teams and, and something it's hard to avoid, but if you load up in one area, 
um, early, like Timos has done with receiver here, um, you're probably going to leave yourself a little thin elsewhere. He did get the the, the Kamara running back value there in the first round. I, I agree with Hod there. Um, I do. Cons- I am a little concerned about the rest of his running back depth, though. So you look at uh, Lev Bell as his second one, and then it falls away to Zach Moss, who, who might be okay. Anthony McFarlane and a couple of bunch of some rookies there and, and some older guys later. Um, my concern is with, with Lev Bell. Um, I just think there's no secret that Bell and Gase aren't on the same page. Um, he's contracted till 2022, but they're going to save $10 million if they cut him at the end of the year. So I think there's a massive chance he gets cut. Um, Hod would probably say that he's extremely motivated this year, Lev, to prove the doubt is wrong and maybe to uh, continue running at the at the Jets. But my, my concern is that he gets cut and he's going to demand a huge contract, which, which a lot of clubs are getting a lot smarter in, in terms of not paying these running backs $8, $9, $10 million. So if he's your RB2, I think that's a big concern going forward. Motivation is important, Kenny. Never doubt it. Um, but I will continue on from uh, continue on with the running back theme here. Uh, Tim did decide to wait until the 11th round to take his third back, which Keeney mentioned is Zach Moss. And that is with Lev Bell being his RB2. And that comes with those major questions that we just heard um, following last year's disappointment and that animosity with Gase. Given this, though, um, deciding to reach for Irv Smith Jr., where Ronald Jones was still on the board, and again, what I see is a reach in drafting Jordan Love in the 13th round when proven backs in Mullamack and Tariq Cohen were there. Uh, that could be costly, but we'll see how that turns out. Tight end is the only other weakness I really see. Um, it looks a little thin with Olsen. Um, who knows how long he'll be around and, and whether Disley comes back to the form pre-injury. Uh, Irv Smith and then Jace Sternberger. Um, but perhaps... Timos knows something that we all have missed um, with the purple pride in mini. Uh, and finally, now, Ben, you mentioned Papa's trading prowess or lack of earlier in this show. Well, gee, wow, we hasn't Tim got a similar story. Since exploiting, for lack of a better word, the TMD 2019 and 20 campaign, fair to say the microscope has been put on Tim by the whole EDL league. So unless he changes his ways and can present a reputable floor for a trade offer, he may find it challenging to improve his team through trading if need be. Now, he did win a championship on the back of this exploiting, so kudos to him. But perhaps he might come around to a trade calculator. Perhaps. Only we spent a lot of time on a guy that uh, won't be listening to this. Yeah, it's very true, actually. It's all pretty much wasted I've, time. I've got great hope that this will reach a very large audience at some stage. Uh, we'll move on here. Um, we'll move on to his brotherly counterpart uh, before I do, Ben. Prestige. Worldwide. Why? Why? Please shut up. Please shut up! Wow, the first team to get his own snippet to his bre- uh, breakdown of his team. Hasn't the production uh, value just stepped up in episode two? Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't read about it. But um, <laughs> Prestige Worldwide, let's just read out his starting lineup to start with and then I'll give you my two cents on who he is. Uh, quarterback Dak Prescott, uh, Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, now his young receiving core in CeeDee Lamb, Preston Williams, Corey Davis. 
And then he's tight end heavy, Mark Andrews, Evan Ingram in his flex, Darren Waller in his flex, and Josh Allen as a strong second QB. A few bench mentions, um, Jared Goroff, Gardner Minshew, Tariq Cohen, Antonio Gibson, T Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Denzel Mims. Jeez, I'm not sure that these are worth mentions, but anyway. Um, the, the mention of taxi squad eligible. I think he's got some serious talent he can stash away there for a couple of years. Loves a good taxi ride, old Thayer. So I'm like, Paparu must be with Uber. Now, well, now, introduction of Matt. Well, allow me to lay the foundation for what this man stands for and how his team will be run for years to come. Harmony is at the forefront and zero confrontation will be tolerated. His players will run rampant week to week due to a lack of leadership and direction. This kind of freedom could be exactly what his players will thrive in or they will be pushing for trades and some discipline before we know it. Perhaps Papa's punishers could offer some discipline. Matt, of course, commissioned our redraft league, so there is a healthy rivalry with our very own Keeney and it will prove to be one of the better rivalries in the EDL for years to come. May the best commish win. Mm. May the best commish win. That's uh, quotes we can all tasty. live by. Very tasty. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go into his, um, my, my impressions from how he drafted um, during the, the dynasty draft. Um, he's one of the more fascinating teams in terms of the actual build for sure for mine. Um, but it was on the back of him being really flexible and um, the ability to pivot into a different strategy when it kind of didn't go his way. Um, I know he was high, high on a few wide receivers that kind of got taken a little bit just before um, his pick. So he ended up going down the road of just loading up on rookie wide receivers. So he's got CD Lamb at the 507. Then he took Denzel Mims at the 1111. T Higgins at the 1202. And he's also got Preston Williams as a second year receiver coming off that ACL. So he's got some very, very young uh, wide receivers. But what gave him that flexibility was his... Um, able to do it because his first three or four picks were quite young themselves and they're, they're proven commodities. So Prescott, um, Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, Mark Andrews, Josh Allen, they were his first five picks. So all kind of young, all producing, um, which means he wasn't pigeonholed into having to go a bit older um, and he's able to take those rookie wide receivers. Quickly, before we go into his strengths and weaknesses, I will we need to mention the fact that he was someone who did uh, something pretty interesting during the draft and that was he traded up um, twice or into the seventh round twice and with back-to-back selections chose two tight ends, Evan Ingram and Darren Waller, which is a, a pretty big um, discussion point in itself. Um, I will say this. Now, you know I love a good stat and I don't want to ramble on for too long, but just let me just hear me out for two seconds here. Um, Michael Thomas last year had 149 receptions, 1,700 yards and nine touchdowns. He had a massive year. He broke all sorts of records. He scored 300 fantasy points, which is enormous. Someone else who scored 300 fantasy points? Travis Kelsey in a tight end premium format. Interesting to note. Chris Godwin was the wide receiver two last year with 233 fantasy points. Here's a list of players under the tight end premium format that scored more than the wide receiver two last year. George Kittle, Darren Waller, Zach Ertz, and Mark Andrews. That's right. Four tight ends came in at number two in the wide receiver list, if you like, if you put them all together. So my big question probably to us three is, did we undervalue the tight end premium setting? 
Yeah, I uh, oh, I think it's a very interesting point to note. And I, I think I touched on a little bit last week where probably the biggest thing with this draft was we don't really know what Superflex and tight end premium is going to look like because none of us have played in a league that has those settings. So I do really like that Matt just threw caution to the wind and, and basically went, let's let's see what it looks like if I get three top tight ends into my team. Could and I mean the fact that it's there's a lot of flex spots, he can actually play them week in and week out, which is another nice little addition that he has in terms of flexibility. Uh, what do you think, Hod? Yeah, there there are some interesting stats. Uh, I just have my questions over all three of them, um, I, but I don't want to dive into that too much. Um, I, I might touch on that in the strengths and weaknesses. All right. Well. You know, Keeney kind of touched on there of his ability to trade during the draft. And that was sort of my big takeaway for Matt is that he wasn't shy on trading during this draft. If you actually do look at his draft board, um, you know, on Sleeper, you can click on a team name and it shows you where the picks were taking place. For someone like Scoot or Papa, it's pretty straight down the line. Took their picks where they were on the draft board. But you look at Matt and his is like a scatter plot. There's, There's picks all over the place. Very rarely, I think there's about... 10 to 12 picks that he took in his spot. The rest were all over the place. So, you know, he started this trend in the first round with his uh, at the 111 where he traded out with Jim. So he traded the 111 and the 511 to Jim. Got the 206, the 406, the 907. So just to, I always like after the draft, looking at trades and putting names to where they went because a, a, a pick or a number is one thing, but to actually put a player's name next to it. So, you know, that trade there was Matt essentially traded away Derek Henry and Melvin Gordon the third for Miles Sanders, Josh Allen, and Cam Newton. So if you put those players all together, I think Matt's done a very, very good job there of walking away with those three players for those two players. So, you know, both teams are quite happy with their trade. I have no doubt that Jimmy's happy to have um, Derek Henry and Melvin Gordon, but I know Matt's very happy to have those three players. And now he doesn't have Cam Newton because obviously he continued the trend of trading and he, I think he uh, completed a total of six trades during the draft. So all over the place uh, in where he picked, he clearly went up and got the talent and the players that he wanted. As you mentioned, Keeney going up to get those back-to-back tight ends in the seventh round was a big sort of pivot, pivot. Uh, and then through all these trades though, if you look at it at the end of the, the day, he has netted himself one extra pick in the draft, but, he has given up his 2021 20, first round pick. So I wonder if that's something that if he had his time again, would he look to get that first round pick back? Not sure. I guess we'd have to get him on the pod one day and find out. Ironically, the strength of this man's team has the word tight in it as he's not known to splurge on his mates very often. But uh, the one bloke who went real heavy on the tight end premium scoring format is in, indeed Matt. And it could be genius. As you touched on, Keeney, those those stats are pretty prevalent. But I do have my questions on not just the two later tight ends, but also Mandrews as well, um, just around some health concerns there. So uh, I love the start, nabbing Dak and Sanders whilst moving back in the draft. Uh, I think that's a great start. Um, from, and, and from the 11th round on, I thought Matt grabbed really great value with not just a few picks, but every pick. Yeah, bang on. Got some serious value in the end of that draft there. Uh, we've kind of already touched on it, so I won't spend too long. But yeah, this is, this is a super flex league and it's a tight end 
Premium League, and Matt's probably the only team that looked at both of those two different scoring formats and actually sort of lent into it. So, you know, he's got four starting QBs on his roster. He's got three potential top 10 tight ends. And I know that injury is obviously going to play a part and regression and those things, but there's a world where that could absolutely happen. So, you know, he could find himself either riding out those players or he could use them as trade bait. I know we've got a few teams you know, that have holes they need to plug. And Matt might just be sitting there waiting for a few little knocks at the door for a trade to come up. Kenny? Yeah, just to, and just to, to add to that, I suppose, he's, as you said, he's cornered the market a little bit with that tight end QB situation. Not only um, has, he, has he taken quite a few in, in those two positions, but they're all top end guys. Like they're all, they've all got value and they're all trade worthy. Like it's not like he's just stockpiled some backup QBs. They're all, genuine players that will, will produce this year and, and could be certainly um, enticing for someone else who's a bit thin in that area. Um, and just, again, touching on the fact that he can start those tight ends um, in the flex positions. Um, with, with that scoring um, kind of breakdown I gave before, you'd, you'd feel pretty comfortable playing an Evan Ingram if he's healthy in that, in that flex position. You mentioned top-end talent. Make your case for Evan Ingram, Keeney. Um, well, I... I understand where you're coming from. Uh, he can get banged up and he probably hasn't been healthy yet. But I think when he has been on the on the park, he's put up some pretty solid numbers. I, I think that's hard to dispute. The, the big question is, can he stay healthy? Now, I know a seventh-round startup pick um, is, you know, I think as Ben kind of described with Camo's team last year, we're in it to win, to win championships and you've, you got to shoot for upside. I think if he stays healthy, he's got huge upside and could easily be a top three tight end. I think I think Evan Ingram is one of the most overrated players, especially at the tight end position. He's, this myth that he's a top end talent comes from his rookie season. And that rookie season, he was the number one option for the Giants because Beckham was out. So, and with the, that off... Uh, with that volume, he produced 700 yards and six touchdowns. So health is a huge concern for Ingram, for mine. And then also, I think that like that's his ceiling there. So I just don't know where this top-end talent comes into it. I love, the, I love the strategy by Matt. I just don't know whether Ingram and then Waller, who obviously I loved last year, but given the amount of additions to that offense. Um, we'll see whether that volume continues. So that's my only concerns around that. Yeah, and I, I get those concerns. Obviously, being a Giants fan, um, Evan Ingram hasn't lived up to the potential that, that he showed. But I suppose, you know, he's had two back-to-back injury-riddled seasons. He did have a pretty solid rookie season, and I agree with what you're saying there. He was the number one target. But he has always been viewed as more of a wide receiver than a tight end. He is a receiving tight end. And this tight end premium, if you look at it, yes, it's a different format for the tight end, but it only benefits tight ends that receive or that get targets. So I think if you're shooting for upside in a tight end, he's got the talent, he's got the draft pedigree and where he got drafted. There there are a few options in... Um, in New York, but he's also got Daniel Jones, who's looking for reliable options. And I think 
you look at that very first game and Keeney's pumping his fist with the Daniel Jones comparison there. I'm pumping my fist because I would love it if those two had a connection. You look at Daniel Jones' breakout game last year against Tampa Bay. Um, he looked pretty comfortable throwing the ball to Evan Ingram. In fact, I think there was something like a 40 or 50-yard touchdown in that game to Evan Ingram. So he's got that potential to not only see targets, but to burn defenders once he does get those targets. So that's where I think Matt was looking. He's shooting for upside, clearly. Evan Ingram's not that old. Um, he's coming to the... He's 25. He's coming to the end of his rookie deal on his fifth-year option. So... Um, yeah, time will tell. And, and let's say he has a healthy season, he might get uh, picked up somewhere else in an offense that uses him quite well. So there's a lot of skill set to be had there for Evan Ingram. But I, I totally get the the caution that you're talking about, Hod. Yeah, I think, that, I think the Giants have a very underrated wide receiving core. I think there's three legitimate options there. And you say that he is a wide receiver. Well, where does he uh, land in those four with Slayton, Tate and Shepard now? So... Um, but I'll I'll just quickly round out the weaknesses. Um, we've mentioned in this pod a few times, but deciding to draft quarterback early um, can leave you thin, which it did for Matt at wide receiver. So the only thing I look at was drafting Josh Allen, uh, where he did in the fourth, I believe, um, as his QB2, over landing an absolute cornerstone wide receiver like AJ Brown to build your team around. Could be um, questionable, but... We've also mentioned a couple of times he's got those quarterbacks and he has the option to pivot. Yeah, well, I think all three of us kind of are, are going to touch on the same weakness here because it's a, it is a, an obvious one for Matt's team and that is his wide receiver. So I think he got great value with Preston Williams, who's an absolute sort of fantasy darling um, in any sort of podcast you listen to that everyone is pumping up his tyres. So... You know, let's say he doesn't live up to his value. Um, there's a lot of mouths to feed in Dallas with CD Lamb as his next wide receiver. Uh, and he's going to start pretty low on that pecking order in Dallas, you'd imagine, especially with this weird off-season we've had. He's got Corey Davis, who in my eyes will always be a bust until he proves otherwise. You know, Devontae Parker proved that you can actually live up to your potential years down the track. So I think Matt's shooting for massive upside there with Corey Davis, but time will only tell there. So then the rest of his wide receivers are all rookies. Um, you know, he's got CeeDee Lamb, he's got T Higgins, he's got Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's got Denzel Mims. He needs, if he wants to put up something, because he's got to start three wide receivers, he, he needs at least two or three of those rookies to hit early on. Otherwise, it's going to be a bit of a slow start for, um, for Matt this season. And, you know, I, I suppose that could be good for anyone who maybe uh, has a matchup against him in week one. That's that's probably the only thing I can think of. Who has him in week one, Keeney, just out of interest? Lamar. Lamar. The Lamar sunglasses. Does. He could be very excited about facing some of those. young. But uh, I suppose not much different on my end when it comes to young wide receivers. But we'll get into that next week, won't we, Keeney? Keeney, what are your thoughts? We will. And I'm, I'm not going to add too much more here other than the fact that you've touched on it, but rookie wide receivers rarely produce year one. So... Um, I think down the road, he's going to hopefully bank on a few of those guys to, to hit and be good players in the NFL, um, be wide receiver ones. But first year, second year, tough going with the three, start three wide receiver format. That's going to be a big, um, big hole in his team week in, week out. But long term, looking pretty solid. Well, you could have told me that about rookie wide receivers before my draft. But anyway... Uh... If any Wookie, Wookie, if any Wookies, if any rookie wide receivers are going to hit, I think they're going to be the ones on the Park City Lions. 
Um, but we can get into that breakdown. But before we get to our last team in this division, uh, we're going to have another quick word from our sponsor. As the world deals with COVID-19 fallout, it's more important than ever to stay up to date with the latest news. In fantasy football, it's no different. To succeed in this game, you need to stay plugged into the very latest from all 32 NFL teams. Plenty of services offer football updates, but there's only one with the processing speeds and digital horsepower to cultivate news to suit your team and your strategies. The Dynamic Fantasy Feed, or DFF app, is designed to filter out all of the real news and just give you the meaningless fluff that you want to hear. With algorithms built off Google search history of the team with the same name, the DFF app will ensure you have a steady stream of unhelpful, useless content straight to your phone, which reinforces your own misguided views on the players that you drafted in a drunken haze. How does it work, you may ask? All news passes through the DFF's filter and only the most misleading and irrelevant puff pieces get through. For example, your key player has done his ACL? Not relevant. Unheard of blog with half the text in Russian? Photo of the wrong player and Bitcoin news links suggest your rookie wide receiver might be considered for timeshare at QB? Automatic push alert to your phone, email and phone call to your landline. It's that simple. Don't waste your time ignoring factual and rational news sources ever again. Download the DFF app today and get lost in your own hype like the pros. The DFF app is a subsidiary of our unnamed corporate sponsor. And now we are going to touch on the final team in this division. Uh, one of our co-hosts of this podcast, Keeney's team, The Grouse, as they're known. Let's run mm. us through the starting lineup. We've got Carson Wentz uh, as his starting QB and conveniently in the same division as Dak Prescott. You, you wouldn't read about it, would you? And has the same hair colour as his owner. Fantastic stuff. <laughs> You have, yeah. There is a bit of uh, there is a bit of Carson Wentz about you, Keeney. So I like the uh, I like that moral pick there. Then at running back in his starting lineup, he's got Jonathan Taylor and AJ Dillon. He's got AJ Brown. Just loves the AJs. AJ Brown, Juju, and DJ loves the initials too. As his wide receivers, he's got George Kittle sitting there at tight end. He's got Philip Lindsay and Nikhil Harry in his flex, and Danny Dimes Jones in his super flex. Love it. Some honourable mentions on the bench. Borkini's team, uh, Jameis Winston is a nice little future play there. Uh, he's got Damian Williams and Antonio Brown, and whew, not going to get much out of them. Uh, he's got two on his taxi and old Michael Pirine's a nice little future play there. Who knows what he may turn into. So there's some of his uh, players that he picked up in the draft. So just a little bit of, of background on Keeney for those who don't know. What more can be said to introduce the brainchild of the league. So for those listeners out there unaware, Keeney has made several attempts to dethrone Matty Mack in our redraft league as commish. Uh, as he claims, he will run it with a more organised approach. And after several failed attempts, Keeney contacted Hod and myself to gauge our interest in starting a dynasty league. So it didn't take long for us to find nine other committed participants from there. Armed with a statistics degree, and treating uh, the book Moneyball as his Bible, Keeney comes into Dynasty League red hot and trying to prove his nous as both co-commissioner and a Dynasty player. What do you think, Hod? Well, 
I can't really top that at all. Um, and Kenny, during the week in the mythical chat that is our chat group, uh, was throwing some shades at my team. So I was arming, I was ready to go, and I just couldn't come up with very much. So now it's a it's a young it's a young team with delicious building blocks uh, at every position in Wentz, Jones, and Tua quarterback. The big seps, JT at running back, oh. AJ Brown, DJ Moore, Operation Juju, and having Kittle obviously is a huge asset uh, in this premium setting. So when Keeney has a plan, he executes it as we learned last year in the TMD league with Operation Juju. Uh, he drafted with a priority placed on years two to four uh, from now. So Keeney will be hoping his players pan out as he sees it eventuating to combine with his plethora of rookie picks coming in the next couple of years. And just for the listeners at home, don't mix Operation Juju with Fireball. It's just a horrific combination and it's just a guarantee that Big Ben will get injured in the first 10 minutes. There was no greater guarantee than that happening last year. Um, I'll I'll give you guys a a bit of a draft insight into kind of how I went about it um, and how I wanted to go about it. Um, For me... Obviously, I traded out of the 108. Um, my whole strategy early was to to try and, with my first four or five picks, get as much um, return on investment, if you like, going forward um, in, in future years. So uh, for our Australian AFL listeners, a bit of a super coach mindset, if you like, where you can get players that increase in value over time. That's kind of what my strategy was. I wasn't kind of keen to grab guys at their, the peak of their powers just yet. Um, I wanted to get some guys who could increase in value over time. Obviously, there's risks involved with that. Um, as you said earlier, Hod, age isn't always a bad thing. I mean, known commodities mean they're known commodities. And sometimes younger guys, we don't know how they're going to play out. Overall, though, I was pretty happy with kind of how it all went. And then in the the eighth, ninth, tenth round, I, I kind of pivoted a little bit to my overall strategy. Um, I ended up taking three QBs in a row. Um, I just thought there was huge value with Daniel Jones falling to the to the eighth tour in the ninth. Um, and then I took Jameis Winston in the tenth. A little bit to do with starving the rest of the league um, of opportunity in the QB um, position. But also, I think, you know, he he's a top five QB last year. And um, if he does win that starting Saints job, I think that's a great return on a 10th round startup. So um, happy to happy to go there. Um, just to close off, I'm, I'm weaker at running back, which I acknowledge, no doubt. Um, but I looked at taking some guys who I think um, can see, receive that starting role going forward. Um, you think of AJ Dillon, um, Aaron Jones out of contract at the end of the year, whether they keep him or not. Um, Philip Lindsay, I think, has got a lot of talent. Um, and whether it's in Denver or somewhere else, I kind of hope he gets traded. Chase Edmonds underneath um, uh, for Leonard Fournette, who they clearly don't want to keep. They've um, denied his fifth fifth-year option. They're clearly wanting to you, remove him. I think you mean Raquel Armstead there, uh, Kenny. Oh, Chase Edmonds is sitting underneath old Kenyon Drake on Hod's team. Apologies. I'll, I'll rephrase there. <laughs> Raquel Armstead I was referring to. Um, also, Chase Edmonds, Lamical P. Ryan, just sitting under the two ageless wonders that are Lev Bell and Frank the Tank. So I think he can get a starting job in the next couple of years. Lamical. That's about it. Me. <laughs> Is it Lamical? Can we just cut that? (laughs) No, that's staying in. (laughs) That's staying in. You are taking the absolute Lamichael P. right out of that (laughs) (laughs) game. 
Danny, you mentioned uh, you mentioned that strategy of acquiring um, talent that is going to appreciate in value. Can you talk us through Antonio Brown in the 14th? Well, absolutely I can. It's a 14th round startup pick. Have a look at the blokes that went around him. I mean, you could make a case for big Lavishka. Um, I think if he signs with a team, he could. I could trade him to anyone. He is still one of the more talented wide receivers. It's a big if, don't get me wrong, but in the 14th round, maybe a touch early, but um, he's obviously just been granted his or handed down his eight-week suspension, but there's, his manager's come out and said he wants to sign on, sign on with someone else, so we'll see what happens there, but I'm, I'm comfortable taking him there. Um, bit I'm, of a risk. I'm, I'm, I know who you can trade him to, and that's the citywide psychiatric clinic. That'd be my first go-to. That's a fair. That's a look. That's a fair point. It is a fair point. He's cooked in the head, but who knows? There's some wide receiver uh, needy teams out there, so we'll see what happens. That's true. And shout uh, out to and one of our sponsors. Papa's punishes uh, proved last year to invest heavily in Antonio Brown, and sure, he keeps claiming that. How could you possibly predict that he would go on the tangent that he went on last year? But I think the proof was in the pudding when he started to put out his own hype videos and looked like a cook unit from uh, the very beginning last year. So, yeah, look, I I know what you're saying, Keeney, in that uh, Antonio, if playing, has some serious value, but that's the the biggest if to me right there. He's he's not even going to play for the first eight weeks. He's just been given that suspension. You weren't to know that, but we all assumed it was going to come. And I can't honestly see a world where this guy plays another snap in the NFL. So I get it. It's a, it's a long upside play that you've gone for there, but whew, it's, some, uh, it's a big way to head here. All right, I'll, I'll jump into your team strengths here. So look, you've gone for a young, high upside receiving core. I think when you look at your team, that is what stands out to me. And, and I know we've made reference to Operation Get Juju and for anyone listening there who has no idea what we're talking about, Keeney essentially went to our redraft auction last year with a notepad, uh, very Presty style at his notepad, and he had just Get Juju written in bold letters and circled about 15 times. That's all the notes he took to that draft. Uh, he was very, very high on young Juju. It was actually very Sonny Weaver Jr.-esque, and I'm glad I've moved over to the Fontaine <laughs> Mac division, to be honest. It's a very good little nod there. It was almost like you took that little post-it note with just get him at all costs. Because you did. You, you dropped $30 on him in that uh, auction league. And that's 30% of your overall budget on Juju. And as you said, it didn't pan out too well for, for Juju last season. But that being said, you haven't lost uh, you haven't lost your faith in Juju. You've traded back up. You've gone and got him again. So... We're calling this operation Juju, Get Juju 2.0. And it came into full effect as you traded up to get him. And I'm a bit annoyed you did because I had him in my sights as well. He's only 23 years old. So, yes, he had a disappointing 2019. He's still only 23. He's proven that he can be a top receiver in the league. And then you've gone and paired him up with AJ Brown and DJ Moore, who are both also 23, conveniently enough. So there's something about that number that MJ... uh, 23 that you've gone for there so AJ Brown had a huge rookie season DJ Moore had his breakout in 2019 so could uh, be a seriously good wide receiver call there if all those three players hit their full potential uh, you could have some wide receiver ones just on your starting lineup week in and week out for many years to come yeah look I look at this 
team and there's not a doubt in my mind the biggest strength and the Colts, the horseshoe have released some action shots recently and Jesus, wasn't there some shots fired from the man running the grouse because Jonathan Taylor's biceps are to be desired. They are huge. He is going to be a weapon, I believe. With uh, Keeney's squad, strong young core, plenty of upside. That wide receiver core is as good as any and a strong quarterback room, which can be traded at any time for potential starters. Um, weaknesses for mine, I like the core. Uh, but it's real thin behind them, which is exemplified with AJ Dillon, Nikhil Harry and Philip Lindsay currently starting in his week one squad. Losing Damian Williams um, to the opt-out is a massive blow to the running back room, in my opinion. I think he, like Marlon Mack, will feature, would have featured heavily in the first eight weeks. And who knows where you are after that strong start in the season. So if Keeney sees any injuries uh, or illnesses, uh, this year, those core pl- to those core players, it could be a painful first year. Yep, and I think uh, you and I, Hod, are going to touch on pretty similar things here. And and I think that probably the biggest weakness for Keeney's team is running back. But I, I've got that with a little bit of it's running back in 2020. Um, the way you drafted your team, I thought was pretty clever in that you went for your long term play in Jonathan Taylor and AJ Dillon. And then you got someone like a Damian Williams who, at least for the first half of this year, looked like he could have been uh, a scoring player for you. How are you to know that he would just rule the line through his season due to this fun old COVID thing that we're all dealing with at the moment? Um, it's about to take more away from us, COVID, as we're everyone's anticipating another 40-something day lockdown. So COVID's just the gift that keeps on giving and uh, Keeney surely is super happy about um, Damian Williams there taking the year off. So, yeah, it, it does force your hand a little bit at having to start um, these rookie running backs this year and with no real off-season, who knows what they're going to be like producing. Uh, both of them are also in situations where they're not going to be relied upon um, early on. They've got Aaron Jones, as we said, in Green Bay. You've got um, Marlon Mack in Indianapolis. So there's no real rush to get these guys in the starting lineup. So I do see them as being very good scorers, but we don't know when that will be. So then your, your depth after there is Philip Lindsay. Well, he's just stuck in a timeshare and it's got even murkier for him in the off season. Raquel Armstead and Chase Edmonds, you're kind of hoping for something to happen to the starters there. And then you got a fourth stringer in John Kelly at the Rams. And there's that many running backs there that who knows what the touches are going to be. So you're kind of hoping that something's going to fall your way there. But yeah, I suppose it it does help your cause of if your team is ready to win in two or three years, then I guess you don't really care how your running backs perform this year anyway. Yeah, um, just to to finish, I suppose, um, I mean, if you're looking at some other weaknesses, I did go pretty heavy in QB, but you could make the case that a lot of them have some some issues that could play out a little bit if it all went wrong. So obviously Wentz was my first one. Um, he's injury prone. Um, Daniel Jones, I like him. I think he's got some rushing upside. He, he did fumble the ball a hell of a lot in year one though. Um, but I think they've invested the time there. Tua, you know, coming back from that injury, we don't really know. We think he's going to be good, but we don't really know. Um, and Jameis Winston's my, my fourth, who's um, cl- still clearly the backup. And so that's, also in the air. So um, we'll see how that all plays out. I will, just to close, one other strength of my team, Hod, which you'll really enjoy this because this is right up your alley, is 
the grouse are fully motivated. And do you know why they're fully motivated? Because no, don't. Tell the, me. Well, I'm going to tell you. And it's because the division member, formerly known as Prestige Worldwide, now they had the choice of who they wanted in their division. And um, when it came to the final choice, the, the grouse was chosen. Now, in my study, I've got a couple of inspirational quotes. It was one of them's practice like you've never won, play like you've never lost. Now, that's a, that's a Michael Jordan quote. Another one, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That's a famous Wayne Gretzky quote. The last one I've got, tough decision, but I'm purely going off who I think I have a better chance of succeeding against. Now, that is hanging up in my study. I look at it daily. I am motivated to prove the prestige worldwide's completely wrong. Wowee. What a a motivation room that is. You've got the likes of MJ. You've got the likes of Wayne Gretzky. And then there's Prestige Worldwide. Turn it up, Keeney. Yeah, I think you've given Matt uh, a little bit too much credit there, mate. You've pumped up his tyres in that speech uh, more than anything else by putting his quote in the likes of a Michael Jordan and a Wayne Gretzky. Uh, It's some serious uh, shoes to fill. So some motivation there for, for the grouse. Very interesting. We'll see how that plays out against the redraft commissioner and the co-commissioner of the Dynasty League that we've got here. All right, let's move on to our division predictions. I think we've we've covered some serious in-depth for teams there. So let's let's kick it off. Hod, who do you think is going to take out this division? Well, he's got a tiny head, so I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy pumping it up a bit, but I think Papa is the team to beat in this division. Uh, Timos is never liked Papa to succeed. There's this underlying motivation for uh, Papa to not succeed from that man. And it usually starts with his oversized stomach. But I think Papa will take this out and I say good luck to him and stick it up all of them, mate. Fair call. I've, uh, I've also, funnily enough, gone with Papa to be the winner of this division and he'd want to be the winner of the division this year because the way that he has drafted, if he does not win the division this year and if he does not win a title this year and he leaves his list the way it is, it, uh, it may be a long rebuild ahead of him just with some of those pieces that we pointed out. So he'd want to win it this year. It would be my takeaway uh, for Papa there. Keeney? Yeah, three from three here. I think the Silver Hairs will, will, will uh, prevail in this division uh, in year one. Um, and as you did touch on there, Ben, he would want to win it in year one. Um, Saquon Barkley, Travis Kelsey, Aaron Jones, tough first three players. Keeps him pretty deep and pretty relevant for especially year one. We'll see how he goes. But I think he's the favourite and he's uh, he needs to win it. We'll uh, move on to the dark horse. And I, for my dark horse, I have gone... I think there's a clear, for mine, there's, there's a clear kind of tier in terms of how teams have have drafted here. I think there's two teams that have drafted for more of a win now and two teams that have drafted for more of a future. I think the other win now team is Timos um, and I think he would be my dark horse to knock uh, Papper off. Um, I think, you know, if Kyler Murray explodes year two, he's got Kamari, he's got those good wide receivers. Um, he needs to stay healthy like like all challengers do, but if he does, he's got the, he's got the tools there and the, the players at each position to really challenge Papa in year one. Pod. I'm also on the Timos train as the dark horse. I, d- I just see an uncapped potential with this guy. 
if he can possibly listen to a podcast and if he could open up a browser with a dynasty trade calculator, who knows how good this man could be, let's be honest. But Ben, for all our sakes, we can't just agree on predictions. Please have someone different as your dark horse. Well, yeah, I, I decided to buck the trend a little bit with what you two guys are spitting out there. You said a lot of ifs there for Tim Moss as a dark horse, and, and I don't see those ifs coming to fruition because he still loves his EDM and he still loves to maintain that he has a good feel for just the way that things should go about. So my dark horse is our uh, commissioner in the other league, Matty Mack. I've got you as our dark horse here. And, and really because of all the things that we outlined, yes, you have drafted clearly with a future sort of focus for your team, but you've also coupled that with players that can produce for you straight away. And you've got that flexibility, as we said. Your head might, uh, your leg might be able to get behind your head. You're that flexible at the moment in your team build. So you could pivot at any point that you want and you could make some trades at any point that you want, depending on how your team has performed. And I've see, I see you as the real dark horse of this division there. Just prestige worldwide sneaking up on a few players in the pack. Black leather gloves. <laughs> Let's move on to our losers. I've got, uh, it's funny that I've got the dark horse of the other commission. I've got one of the commissioners of this league as our loser for this division, and that is Christopher Keane. Uh, The reason why I've got him as the loser is I did mention in his little breakdown before that Moneyball is, uh, is basically this man's Bible. He lives and breathes this sort of theory here. And, and I really see this guy leaning into what his team is and his team is for the future. With Damian Williams out now, I think that Keeney more than ever is going to lean into the fact that, all right, he's not going to get some scoring at running back to start the season off. So let's trade away some of those assets, those values, and let's lean into kicking off 2021 and beyond with some serious talent and value under his belt. So I think that Keeney is not only going to continue this build of his team, he's going to lean into this rebuilding type team. And that's why I've got him as the loser of this division. Yeah, I think um, that's a fair call. I think um, I've got Matt coming last in this division. I think it's it's reasonably close between me and him, as I've kind of touched on before. We've both gone into more of a younger younger squad. I just think the difference is having to start three wide receivers, and the um, the facts are that rookie wide receivers most of the time struggle to produce a new one. So I think that could be the difference, and that would be why Matt probably doesn't have the the ceiling that other other teams do in this division. So I've gone with Matt. Todd? I may be submitting the first undecided predictor of this year's reviews. Get but off the what fence, I will mate. Do, what I will do, well, I'm not going to leave this with no decision. I, I And this is between Keeney and Matt, of course, who both have the questionable depth, but have quarterbacks to flip at any time. So speaking of flipping, I'm going to flip a coin. And whoever it lands on, that is my loser predictor. And boom. Get the splinters out of your ass, mate. Unfortunately for Mr. Flexible himself, Gumby, a.k.a. Prestige Worldwide, is going to take out the dung bowl of this division. And I think that coin was motivated to get Keeney out of that position. (laughs) Oh, very good tie-up there. Well, guys, I hope you appreciated our in-depth look of the Vontae Mack division there. Heaps that we had to go through this week. Um, Lots of talking points for this division. So 
We'll, uh, we'll finish up this week with a bit of a teaser for next week's pod, and that's to round out our third division, the Bo Callahan division, uh, which we see as a fiercely competitive division. We've got the two new wild cards with Maddie and Jake in there. We've got arguably one of the loosest units in the league in Scooter and your very own voice right now, Benny the Bunny Parker, as I'm referred to from a few people. I don't even really know where that started, but I know Papa and Hod love to rip out the bunny as their reference there. So who, uh, who some are saying I drafted a team that's looking to hit its straps in the year 2030. So we will see. All I can say to that is that, uh, that if COVID hits and takes out this season, I know that my team is going to be sitting pretty still because they've got many years ahead of them. I don't even know if there'll be good years because they won't even have a rookie season. So we'll have to wait and see. But anyway, that's all to look forward to in our breakdown for our next episode. We hope you enjoyed our second time around at this. There was a bit more production value. There was a sponsorship. There were ad reads. My goodness, who knows what next week will hold. So thanks for tuning in, guys, all 12 of you. I really appreciate the support. (laughs) Just really jumping on just to hear your name and your team be read out. You don't even really care about what we say, to be honest. But uh, we look forward to hearing all the feedback, guys. Don't forget to give us a five-star review. Drop a little comment in there. We can say all this stuff. Listen on Apple, you know. Let's try and get this trending up the charts, if we will. Um, But no, boys, thanks again for another awesome week. It's always good fun doing this. I'm, I'm having more fun when we do this, especially hearing your thoughts and, and breakdowns there. That's a, it's been a great pod, Wookie. Uh, like and subscribe all. <laughs> Let's see if I can say the word rookie wide receiver by next week. Who knows? Amazing. Amazing pod. Highlight of my week, I reckon. We'll uh, see you all next week. See you later. Adios.